if you had a period where you were in debt or couldn't pay bills or there was nothing in your bank account, those are real traumas that you have to work through and and talk about. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Hey there, listener. Welcome to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and today we are bringing in someone who I just love and admire. And it might be an unconventional take at looking at your business finances because in this conversation, Sheila Hansen and I chat a lot about your mindset and your journey to get to where you are today and how all of that factors into the way we approach money. When I said that word, did you get like a certain feeling in your stomach? Did your shoulders tense up? Did you like cringe at just money. You guys, that was totally me not very long ago. And to be like completely honest, I still do like, but I'm working through it. And in our conversation today, I think it's so important. Sheila and I talk about how every business owner has a different journey on their path of entrepreneurship. We talk about how every business owner has a different journey in their financial path. And we talk about how some of the things from our childhood And just our life experiences really affect the way we handle and view our money today. We're going to chat about pricing yourself, when it's time to bring on an employee in your business, and just a lot of really great things and conversation that I feel we need to have more of, especially as women in business. So I hope you guys turn it up a little bit, and I can't wait to hear your feedback to this episode of Small Minded with my friend Sheila Hansen. You guys, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Sheila of Sheila Hansen CPA. Is that your formal? See, Sheila Hansen CPA, Sheila Hansen LLC. How do you want me to call you? Sheila Hansen CPA is fine. The legal name is LLC, but it's one in the same. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Sheila, I know that today's episode is going to be full of amazing insights takeaways and education for our listeners. And why don't you kick us off with just a little bit more about you and what you do? Yes, I'm so excited to be on the Small Minded Podcast. So thank you for having me today. I am Sheila Hansen. I'm a CPA that is based in Nebraska, but I serve small service-based business owners and their businesses in helping understand all things numbers, aligning their financial decisions with everything else that's going on in their life. We get into these businesses for a reason, and very quickly we can become overwhelmed with everything. So I help from a numbers perspective, sort through all of that, where our time and energy should be spent and how we make the most of it. Um, So that is what I do. I I love you. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure I'll keep coming back to this, but last fall I worked with Sheila 
in a VIP day format. And I can attest to you being the support and the, like, just kind of the motivator to like make sense of these numbers, because for, like you said, a lot of business owners, we get into business to do the thing because we love it. Yes. But then we have to make sense of all of the back end that goes into making a business sink or swim. And having someone like yourself who can make the numbers for me not so scary is such a gift. And I know I'll keep coming back to that VIP day, but yeah, I just think that it's going to be a fantastic conversation today. So, as you shared, you are based in Nebraska. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in the rural Omaha area? Tell us a little bit about where you live, your family, all the good stuff. Yeah. So I was a city girl in growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I had extended family that lived in rural Nebraska. And I remember growing up, we would often take trips to go to the farm. And my, who is my best friend now, she is my second cousin and she lived on a feedlot growing up. So starting in middle school, I think it was, I would go spend like a week or two with her in the summer at the farm and I would align it with their fair week. So that was my exposure to all things, small town, rural agriculture, because growing up in Omaha. I had none of that (laughs) and I fell in love with it. So then fast forward, we went to college together. She ended up getting a job that was like outside of Lincoln and we moved together to an acreage. And that's where I fell in love with the open space, the dark sky with the stars. Um, And I knew from then my goal was to live outside of the city. I wanted to be close enough that I could still take advantage of all of the things that a larger city has to offer. But when it came home and just my weekly life, I wanted to be outside of that busy. Um, So then I met my husband in college. He, I can now say, was a CPA. Um, So we went to school together. And I got my accounting degree. We worked together at a firm in Omaha. And then after five years of being married, we built or bought land and built where we are now. It's about 10 minutes, 10 miles outside of Omaha on five acres. Um, So we're in the small town community now. We have a seven-year-old that's in first grade and a two and a half-year-old. And then our surprise, Zoe, that's nine months old. (laughs) (laughs) And cash, right? And then we have my horse cash and our COVID pet purchase was a red-footed tortoise. So we signed up for a (laughs) 50-year long um, journey with a pet. So he lives in a big enclosure in our living room. (laughs) Oh, I love all that. I did not know that the tortoise was a COVID friend. Yep. That was our, I think it was an April 2020 purchase. (laughs) After you did it, were you like, okay, what have we gotten ourselves into? Or was it like, oh, this is going to be so cool. No, he's awesome. We love him. Oh, good, good, good. And he's relatively low maintenance. So yeah. Those are my favorite kind of pets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So I love hearing about like the memories that you have of being with your cousin and knowing that, okay, I, I loved your vision of the dark sky and the stars and that rural, like really connected with you. That's so incredible. And then did you like feel that? So like you felt that calling to that kind of lifestyle now, like thinking about your career path, like, did you also feel that on your heart from a young age that you knew like finances and numbers and making sense and organizing that was going to be for you too? Or was it something else? Yeah, no, you know, elementary school, I think it was, I wanted to be a teacher. I remember having those, um, setting up school classroom in, in my bedroom, you know, with the sticks that you pulled with names on them and all, all of that. So, um, now with my job, I can see where like the education and the teaching part of it, I really want to help people understand that side of their business. And it's not just give you the answer, but kind of help you learn all about it. Um, so that pulls in from really early, but then I took, a an accounting class in high school, I think two classes actually. And from then on, I kind of knew that was my path. So I went to University of Nebraska Lincoln. Um, so when you guys uh, post your yellow and gold or your yellow and black on the weekends, I have to turn my eye. We <laughs> read, read at this household. Um, but I went to Lincoln and they have a master's of professional accountancy program that is a five-year thing. So you can um, move through the program pretty quickly. And I never swayed from that. Uh, once I started that program, then I got an internship at the firm that I worked at in Omaha. And that was in between my undergrad and master's program starting that semester. I kind of took off to do the internship and then they hired me on to start the next year. So January of 2007 is when I started my public accounting career. And I just wrapped up my 16th tax season. Oh, celebrate um, <laughs> the champagne, drink a bubbler, all the things. Cause tax season is officially ended. I know that yes. feels good. Yes. So from there, um, once I started at that firm, I moved up the ladder pretty quickly in public accounting. There is a staff, senior manager, partner kind of ladder that you climb. I got some tax manager and then we were starting a family and that's when it all changed for me. Mm -hmm. So walk us through that. Like when you were starting your family, you had kind of, like you said, gone up the ladder. You had like what from the outside looking in would be like, you've achieved, you've had success. So what was it about that time in your life of starting a family that made you start to consider other options for your career? Yeah. So with um, both Bo and I being in public accounting, um, tax season is very demanding. And when it was just us, it worked that we were working together so we could have date lunches and, you know, we saw each other and we got to spend time together at office events and all of that. But then during my pregnancy is when that mama intuition gut um, really kicked in and I had to step back and look at my values and say, what kind of mother do I want to be? What kind of family life do I want to have? And 
from January to April, do I really want to only see my kid in the middle of the night? Because it, it was a wake up, go to work, come home after dark, crawl into bed to do it over and over again. Um, and maybe you'd have one day on the weekend, maybe you'd be lucky and get two days, but I was really struggling with that. But then when we talk about mindset, all the things came in of, this is all I've known. I've only done taxes. I've only worked at this company. Who else would want me? Why would I walk away from this pay and these benefits to maybe try something else? That self-worth being tied to your paycheck, all of those things came in. So I really struggled that year to know what the right decision was and to try something else. And it was then during maternity leave that I got brave enough to start applying for some other positions, go through interviews. And then let's just talk about for a moment, trying to get into your closet a month or two after having a baby and find something for an interview. (laughs) Uh, um, But that was during maternity leave, I found something else and I put in my notice and I never actually went back to the public accounting firm after my three months of maternity leave. So I started at a manufacturing company as their controller, the head of their accounting department. And that was my phase of, I had a job during that Mm -hmm. time. I didn't call that my career. Um, That was get used to being a mom, adjust to the demands of home life and Mm -hmm. a kid depending on you um, for everything. So for about 18 months, I was there. And then I started getting the thoughts of, okay, now I'm ready to kind of dive back into my career. I've got my bearings as a mom. I want to find something that aligns a little bit better. And that was when during that discussion or that move is when the idea of starting something on my own first popped in, but I was scared. And so I accepted a job at um, a company and I was there for a month and our whole world changed and flipped upside down on us. And so we found out we were pregnant while I was interviewing and I got the job during like that first trimester. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just a few weeks into the job that whether it was that non-glow of a first trimester that was kicking in or the fact that this job really didn't align with what I wanted, that I started having real doubts about it. And then we had a miscarriage. And I can talk about it from a completely different place now. And I can see the work that God had done in that whole journey. But it was the night that all of that was happening that I sat in bed with my husband and I said, I want to quit and I want to start my own thing and I'm doing it. And that was the launch of the business. Oh my gosh. Okay. So (laughs) Sheila, you don't know this, but like, just like if our listeners have a moment after this interview, but go back like three episodes and we speak with Robin Boudreaux of no foot too small. And her organization's mission is all about celebrating these angels and providing moms and families support through these 
unimaginable losses. And so if anybody listening like wants support or they want to hear that, it's just a couple episodes before this very episode, but through your story and the trajectory that your life took, I hope that listeners hear that everybody's situation of starting a business is different. Mm. And I often get people approach me asking like, how do I know that it's the right time to start my business? And I'm like, there isn't. And my story of going from like teacher to stay at home, mom, to starting a business is a lot different than leaving full benefits and a great paycheck than going after your own thing. Like, but everybody's story is different. And throughout yours, there were just different moments where you might've had that inkling. And then it took that whole path though, for you to have that bravery and that decision to say, this is it. And now it's time. Yeah. I can remember in my interview to accept that job um, or the interview process of that job, they had asked a very specific question that it's um, imprinted in my brain. If can you imagine doing anything different? Or they were looking for somebody to come on their team really long-term. And I was biting my tongue to say, starting my own thing or doing my own thing to answer the question in the way that I thought the interview needed to be, the interview question needed to be answered. And so I just kept coming back to that in that my gut knew this a month ago, but I was too scared. And now God is getting my attention and saying, no, I have a different path for you. Please trust me and take this, take this opportunity to go down this route because I think it will turn out really well for you. And in case we don't know, he, uh, he happens to know some things and, and I can't imagine not being where I am today. So that was a pivotal point in both starting the business and my, my faith. And he has been a huge huge part of this whole business process. And every time I have a decision to make, I'm often leaning on the guidance that, that he can provide. So that is where it started. My husband had also taken a different job during that time. And so we had the kind of the benefit in, I could be his part-time assistant for the first year or two to kind of build up my business and, and have at least a, you know, guaranteed paycheck Mm -hmm. during that time. So it was kind of splitting my time between that and, and building up the business. And that was during tax season. So it was also really easy to market and just put out there, Hey, I'm doing tax returns who needs somebody. And I was able to fill up my load pretty quickly. That's awesome. And I, I hope again, that listeners hear that everybody's business journey is different. And I like hearing that you were able to kind of build as it worked for you guys. You could work with Bo for a little while as you built your own roster. And then you just took that route and building a business doesn't look the same for any two people, let alone like everybody on Instagram. Nobody's path (laughs) is the same. And I really, I thank you for being so transparent with your journey and how you got to where you are today. I think so many people are going to hear themselves in various aspects of that. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into, I know you mentioned mindset a couple of times and as you and I, like we DM a lot, but I know that like some of the biggest takeaways that I got from that VIP day was, and like, when I reached out to you about VIP day, I had like, I wanted to know, like, could I hire somebody and how much can I pay myself? 
But when I saw the schedule you sent out, it was like, okay, we're going to start by talking about your mindset and your relationship with money. And some people might think, you know, like, but how does that have to do with anything? And as I come back to what my takeaways were from the VIP day, that was everything. And can you talk to us a little bit about money mindset and why it is something that people should not discount specifically entrepreneurs and small business owners, why they have to dig into that money mindset? Yeah. And I can totally relate because even I would say just a year ago, I would have thought that didn't play into anything. Like how do people, why do people not want to talk about money? Why do they not want to talk about numbers? Like this has, (laughs) it's just numbers, but it is all of those things that are tied into it. And I think a lot of that comes from, um, then over the last couple of years, we have in our household really dived into, you know, therapy and past traumas and using some of those tools to really get down to the core of what is going on and the story that we're telling us versus the story our head is telling us versus Mm -hmm. the facts of the situation. And I have made the connection and realized that there are so many little things with money mindset that come up that you don't even think about. And it can be as simple as like the biggest connection for me that I've been able to make in that area is the role models that I had in my life about how you earn money were my parents first and foremost. And both of them didn't go to college. Their jobs were, I think, pretty, pretty much hourly, or if it was salary, it still included a lot of hours. So that connection of you have to physically be at work to earn whatever amount you're making. And while they would get, you know, raises for experience a little bit over time or those natural, you know, corporate ladder type raises, it was never the effort that they were putting in or the true experience they had would allow them to make more or less. It was literally, I had to be at work to make hours. And my mom worked two jobs my whole life. So that is where like the foundation of earning came from. And then when I stepped into public accounting, when it started out, everything was based on the billable hour. So I found myself over this last year, I've been able to unpack that and realize that everything for me is to make more money. You have to work longer or harder. It's not by creating efficiencies. You don't get rewarded for that by more experience, you're not necessarily getting rewarded by that. So being able to unpack that mindset and how that was playing into my business and everything that was going on when I was pricing myself. Um, So over the last year, I've made changes in no longer charging based on the billable hour. I might use that in coming up with my pricing and like how long something takes me, but I'm also looking at what is the value that it's providing and shifting to that package base so that I can have a set number of clients. And if I get their work done in two hours, I can be done for the day. Or if it takes me five hours, you know, I don't have to grow my business by simply working more um, or having my, my booty in the seat. I love that. I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of self-employed people have a hard time wrapping their brain around. They're like, okay, here's what my salary should be, I guess. 
And okay, then if I work this mini number out, then I guess this is it. But I feel like I need more to be able to cover my bills, but how do I charge somebody that? And so it is, it does come back to not just the hours you worked. It comes back to changing your mindset about Mm -hmm. your value, the stories you're telling yourself and really working through the mindset part of things. Yeah. And then it could easily be things like conversations that your parents had about other families that were wealthier than you. And that can play into you then limiting because what is that person that loves me or that I care about going to think if I'm earning more or if I've now moved up into this different category or class, like we put a cap or a limit on what our potential ceiling is because our fear of, you know, what other people may say or think about us, or it may be an experience that we had with somebody who was wealthier and they're, they were just maybe an asshole and it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't necessarily their money that made them the asshole, but we make that connection. Mm -hmm. And so now we're afraid. I don't want to become that. I don't Mm -hmm. want to become the asshole. So I don't want to fall into whatever categories that that characteristics that that person had. And so, you know, all those different things could come into play, but especially now that I've um, started working more specifically with female-based business owners, we have a lot of conversation around the mindset, the self-worth, or even the, I'm not good with numbers. Like that That can be- That is so me. That is so- that what can I be told myself such a trap that we fall into by saying I'm not good with numbers and if we just simply open it up to I'm not good with numbers yet or I'm willing to be curious about numbers that at least takes the lid off the bucket and we can open ourselves up to other possibilities that maybe I need somebody to come in and help me understand this but that doesn't mean that I'm not good and I'm not capable of it This is so good. I really do think that a lot of how we can go about like feeling more confident in our business decisions is about what we think and feel around money. And similar to your upbringing, a lot of us were brought, I, I speaking too broadly, I shouldn't say, I was going to say a lot of us were brought up in that time period of parents, like getting a job, staying there for 25 years, retiring, but I I shouldn't blanket statement that, but that was my experience too. Mm -hmm. And I also never, I I'm much more surprised, surprised, like a creative. And I didn't really mesh well with like financial classes and things like that. And so I always just told myself, ah, I hate money. Oh, I'm bad at money. And then when I was an adult, it was like that then translated into being scared to check my bank account, being scared to open the bank statement. And then at some point it clicked where it was like, nobody is going to do this for me. I need to really dig in and learn more and get educated around money. So I could feel more empowered around it. And sometimes that was working with people like yourself. And sometimes it's just talking and having conversation. And I know that it's supposed to be this faux pas to talk about like paying and pricing and how much you make, but I have literally talked to more people about pricing since our VIP day six months ago. And I feel so much better. I'm not a hundred percent, but just having conversations around pay and not being scared to talk about money is huge. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's so much that goes into it. And I think it's, it is an important conversation for us, especially as women to have with each other 
and put it out there on the table that you don't have to do it alone. Um, You don't have to be scared of it. I really do try to pride on in my business. There's no judgment, whatever Mm -hmm. your situation is, I will help talk you through it, walk you through it. But the last thing I'm going to do is judge you for the situation that you're in. And there's something real to be said that maybe, maybe you did have a time where things were tight or you had what could fall into like trauma categories around it. You know, if you had a period where you were in debt or couldn't pay bills or there was nothing in your bank account, those are real traumas that you have to work through and, and talk about, but simply by pushing them down and not allowing those feelings to come out is not the solution for, for dealing with that. So being able to openly have conversations or I am a huge proponent for mental health therapy and the work that counselors and therapists do to kind of help unpack some of that stuff. Oh, I think this is such, such great advice for any of our listeners. And I'm going to keep coming back to that VIP session. Um, One of the things in our mindset discussion that you talked about was like, don't just like think about like what your brain's telling you about the money mindset piece. It's also like in your body, like as even if you're listening right now and like, can you feel certain parts of your body tensing up? Or do you have a reaction as we're talking about money or shame or pride or any of that? Like those are really real ways to kind of get a gauge on yourself about what your money mindset is and where it's at. And I know when you asked me, I was like, my stomach hurts having this conversation today. (laughs) And you were like, well, that's the thing. Like we need to talk about that. And so if our listeners are identifying or hearing things in our conversation right now, and they're like, oh, I might have some of these money mindset things. Do you have like some quick tips for people beginning to like dig into their money mindset beliefs? Are there any things that you fall fall back to, or you find yourself sharing with clients again and again? Yeah, I think it's huge to turn into that body intuition and our heads get in the way of so, so much. So if we can then connect back to our heart and our gut and really pay attention to the words coming out of my mouth are saying this, but where in my body am I feeling that? Where can I tap into so that I can start to build those resources and know how I am making decisions going forward? Am I letting my head get in the way of the decision when my gut is telling me something completely different or am I allowing those other parts of the body to come into the conversation? Because how many times have we made a decision and if the head and the gut were (laughs) in two different places, we come back and say, okay, down the road, I really wish I would have listened to my gut back then and would have gone with that instead of whatever my head was saying. So. I think just getting really curious about uh, what our body is telling us. And then also just giving ourselves grace in this is a learning process. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to start or get curious about the process. So whether that is, you know, whatever your go-to may, if it's meditation, if it's journaling, if it's having a conversation with somebody else, but just start opening the door to allow that topic to be talked about in, in whatever way you process information. I think that's great because those are like relatively like not 
like relatively easy, if I can call anything easy, is just beginning to be curious, like just mm-hmm. begin like unpacking those beliefs, or maybe just like you said, picking up a journal. Those are like relatively easy. You're not putting yourself too far outside your comfort zone, but it's enough to maybe make a change if you want to work for a financial goal. So I love that you're walking through that. And I know that you um, also have some money mantras that you come back to. And that's something that I have used a lot from our time together is like telling myself, I don't have to have such a tight grip. Money comes, money goes, and it'll always flow. I love that too. That was one that I had to, to really work on in that I, I view it as a river or a water water is what the image that comes to me in the flowing. So it's just that it comes and it goes and it flows. There's nothing that is directing it where or how fast it's going. It just is happening kind of more naturally. So that's the visual for me that really helps when I find myself wanting to tighten the grip, Mm -hmm. um, to loosen and, and let things happen more naturally. Oh, this is so good. And I could talk about it forever, but for listeners who are like, okay, I came here for a money conversation and we're talking about mindset. Um, now let's kind of segue into some of the more tactical, practical money tips. Yeah. So are there any financial best practices or tools and resources? Those could be two different questions too, Sheila. We could take those separately, but are there any items or ways that you advise for small business owners and entrepreneurs listening in steps that they should be taking monthly or weekly or resources they should be implementing to help them in their own money journey? Yeah. So going back to getting curious about things, we can't make informed decisions if we don't have the data. And so I I think it's a hurdle for a lot of people in that they don't want to see the numbers because they're scared of what that may be telling them. So they don't track it. Um, And then we never have the data to go back and make any informed decisions. So my number one, if you are in business, you need to have something to track the data that starts with a separate bank account. So if nothing else, have the separate bank account that all the money is going in and out that at least tells you, you have a balance or you're in the hole, (laughs) which hopefully you're not in the hole, but that at least is one bucket that all of that money is flowing in through, you can then easily go back and start summarizing from that bank account. And then maybe it's a spreadsheet. Maybe you are ready for um, an accounting software, but something that you can begin tracking the data, where it's coming from, where it's going, and start diving in and getting a little bit more specific about where it is coming from and where it is going to, you know, have sources of income, where things are getting generated from, but without that data. um, And that's what like the, the basic bookkeeper is doing, but without that data, then someone like myself can't come in and help you analyze what's going on in your business with any sort of charts or graphs or visual for you to see what is happening as we're making decisions if we don't have that data. So step one is always having some sort of system in place. And as far as the steps go, there are various accounting softwares. QuickBooks Online happens to be the one that I 
utilize for my myself and my clients. It is one that with a little upfront investment of training and setup, I think then people can do it on their own. Um, that gets into the whole other conversation of business owners doing all of the things and where should they be spending their time? We'll um, come but- back to that one in a little bit. <laughs> but that is one. Um, I do feel like the setup part, I, I highly recommend getting somebody who knows what's going on to help you get set up. And then from there, if you want to attempt it on your own, um, it could be done. So using a system like that or hiring it out to somebody else that's then giving you monthly numbers or, or reports to, to take a look at. Um, I can just echo what Sheila said about having someone help you with that initial setup for years I was using, um, as I was beginning and all of this is evolution, you guys. So like at the beginning, when I was just freelancing, working for a few clients, I was using a software called invoice home. I was sending invoices. That's what I was using for the most part. I didn't have a ton of expense. Then as my business grew, I went to QuickBooks self-employed and then we realized, okay, Molly, you've grown to a point where you need the QuickBooks, like more robust version. And so that's what we've been working on setting up in 2022. And like, it's still an ongoing setup because there is just so much capability there, but also mm-hmm. like categorizing and setting up accounts and all that stuff. It is a process. And I have thankfully someone helping me through it, but all that's to say business owner, like get someone to help you or like, just really be generous with the amount of time and grace that you give yourself as you go through this, because it's not going to be overnight. It's going to definitely be an evolution. Right. And just like any other system or software that you have, you can easily fall into not utilizing it or not launching because it's not perfect or you're not using all of the tools, but we have to start somewhere and maybe we can add in layers over time and get some more data and check things a little bit better going forward, but you have to start somewhere. So just getting something um, going is huge. So to come back to that question that I said, okay, we'll come back to this at what point. And I know that this is probably different for everybody, but (laughs) is there a point in time where you recommend, okay, business owner, I know you're trying to wear all the hats, but this might be time to bring in a bookkeeper or a tax prep person. Yeah. So I am a huge proponent for someone else doing your taxes. Um, If you are a W-2 employee that maybe has a couple deductions from a mortgage mortgage interest or real estate taxes standpoint, can you utilize softwares and do your own tax return? Yes. Once you become a business owner, I think you need to have somebody else doing your tax return. Um, so that would be the, the first place that I would recommend starting if you haven't done anything yet is having somebody do your tax return. With that, talking to them about what their options are on taking your information and putting it into what they need the format that they need to be able to prepare their taxes. Some will do that um, as part of the tax preparation process. Some require that you have that already put together. And it just goes back to the, what is your expertise and where should you be spending your time conversation? Just because we can do something does not mean that we should be doing it. So if you're spending an hour or two hours each week posting transactions in your financials 
what else could you be doing with that one or two hours that's serving your clients or generating new leads or creating other efficiencies or systems in your business to then pay somebody for that. So really analyze, should I be doing this? And bookkeeping is one that can be generally easy to bring somebody in and and outsource that task. And for some of those transactional posting and categorizing, like even maybe a virtual assistant could come in and help in that respect too. Yes. Yeah. Having a team member. um, I know now with our process, we're often working with somebody's assistant um, Mm -hmm. in the office or, or one of their employees getting receipts or data that we need to complete their bookkeeping for them. So even pushing that kind of work and getting that off your plate. Oh, I love that. And as we've talked about, there's so many layers, so many ways to do this and business owners can really take the path that works best for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Two common questions. And then we're getting close on time already. I don't know where the time (laughs) goes because I could talk to you forever, but two (laughs) common questions that I really wanted to bring up that I get a lot are, and I had these same questions too, but how do I know when it's time to hire an employee? And we may have answered that a little bit already. And then how do I know how to price myself? Do you have some ways that you advise clients through these two frequently asked questions? Yeah. So at the point that you get to your business where you are looking to hire, that can be one of those other huge hurdles in that I can do all this myself. Why would I pay somebody else? And so going through and analyzing what you would be paying them versus again, what you could be doing as the owner, either only having to do certain parts of the process rather than all of it, because they're handling certain tasks of the project for you, or, you know, just being able to replicate yourself in another form. If depending on what your model is, if you're hiring assistants to do the smaller tasks, or you're hiring another one of you. But it's really diving into what potential of growth do you have by bringing somebody on to free up your time? And if you get stuck in the, well, I have to spend that money and you're not looking at the other side of what I could be doing instead, you're going to struggle with that decision. So it's really diving into what am I freeing up? What potential earnings do I have now that somebody else is, is doing these tasks? And that's kind of a mindset shift too, but it's definitely something that you grow through. So yeah, love that. Love that advice. And it can easily start. um, You can start practicing or working on that mindset by hiring a contractor to do one aspect of it and see how that pays off for you or what it frees up for you before you commit to a employee that's, you know, coming on full-time. And then also just knowing that there are people out there that want all kinds of different employment opportunities. So it might not be that you are signing up somebody full-time with benefits and all of that from the get-go. Maybe you're starting out with somebody that just wants five hours a week and you can bring them on at five hours a week and see where that gets you. I love that. Yes. And I feel like even more today, like then maybe even five years ago, people want different working relationships, different like hourly formats, people really want the flexibility. So as a business owner, it doesn't have to be these like ages old part-time or full-time. 
it can really yes. be whatever you and your team member agree on. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and pricing can be, I mean, that could probably be a whole nother <laughs> episode, know. but that one is one where, um, yeah, mindset probably comes up way more often on the pricing side, my self-worth, what's, what's the right thing to, to offer there. And that's one that I honestly really ask a lot of questions in my clients to dig into their gut. What number is their gut telling them is the right value. And just to be really transparent, this is something that I struggled. (laughs) That's past tense struggled with just a few months ago, but I do feel like it took that mindset shift of like pricing on my value Mm -hmm. instead of pricing on my hours. And it took uncomfortable conversations. It took believing in myself. And it for me also took like, I have these people on my team that I have to support. Plus it's fair to pay myself too. And now like using your system that you've taught me, it's like, okay, then how do I make all of this work? And that's where, and where do I feel good about? Yes. And that's where, yeah. And also knowing who your ideal audience is or who your ideal person is that would be purchasing this and sticking to that because it is when we go outside of that, that then we fall into, oh, well, they need a discount or they need something else or a different package. But if we just put this together and know that it is intended for this very specific person and it works for them, it works for us in that, and just holding some space for that client to come in, that also changes things. Sheila, you're just amazing. And (laughs) I could talk to you forever, but like we said, short on time, long on content. But (laughs) Sheila, if people want to follow you online, if they want to follow up with you and inquire about maybe a VIP day or about working with you in another format, where can they get more information? Yeah. So my website is um, hansenllc.net. You can go there or I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, not on Facebook as much. So those are the two, two places you can find me the most. Wonderful. And we will make sure to link to all of those in the show notes. So you guys listening can just like one click of a button, get in touch with Sheila. All right. Now it's time for our small talk round of rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. All right. Number one, what is one thing that you are so looking forward to this summer? Oh, the summer. I am just excited to spend time outside with my kids. Oh, I love you guys have been prioritizing that, right? We have. Um, yeah, we started just really focusing and tracking our time outside together as a family. And, um, it's been amazing for everyone's attitude. Mm, I do. Yeah. There's like a, just, again, we keep coming back to mindset, but yeah, like definitely if we are in a grouchy mood around here too, I'm like, okay, let's get outside Outside. and it seems to help. Mm -hmm. It does. Number two, what is your go-to morning drink? Uh, my morning drink is a, um, iced latte from, I really like the small town coffee shop that we have here in Blair. Ooh, I love that. All right. Question number three, is there a book or a podcast that you've really connected with? And you're like, everybody needs to know about this. Um, for the female-based business owner, especially if you're a service-based business owner, uh, the biz chicks podcast 
has been a really good one for me um, that I go to for some of the mindset stuff, the big leap, and I'm going to not know the author's name, but the big leap um, has been a book that has been huge for that taking the lid off your bucket kind of concept. Ooh, and I loved Sheila was actually in a coaching episode of the biz chicks podcast. And I told her at the beginning of it, I was like, I just keep coming back to your coaching uh, episode. And I learned so much from that. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. If people want to hear more from you. All right. Last question. Once it is like, I know everybody's like traveling different places now that we are like able to go again, where is somewhere that you just are like so excited and it's on your bucket list of travel destinations? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so my husband and I were talking about a trip to Alaska for our, um, well, it's going to be our 10th wedding anniversary, which was two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So that one, um, there's definitely a couple places like Yellowstone. I really wish it were just easier to get to, especially Mm -hmm. having young kids, but yeah, I think kind of getting out into nature, those kind of places would be my first Oh, I love that. Well, Sheila, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. The conversation was fantastic today and I am so excited to share it with listeners. So thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded.